All right. And thank you again. I won't make you stand up again, but our VBS volunteers are amazing. And I didn't have to do anything other than the opening and closing. So while I was walking around, I just noticed that everybody was in the absolute perfect spot. All the teachers, all the helpers. It was an amazing, amazing week. Um, so when Pastor Kevin asked if we would do Kids Sunday, the Sunday after VBS, I told him I'd do my best, but I wasn't sure how much time I'd have to plan it. That was just to test this, and that's my only space reference all the morning, so I'm just going to let you know. Okay, um, so in all seriousness, we're here to tell you a little bit about the program that we use here at North Country Land Church. It's called Discovery Land, and our program, we sometimes will call it Discovery Kids. Um, and first, before we get into the lesson, I want to just tell you a little bit about how the program works. So each... Uh, each lesson that we teach every Sunday is based on the four rights. So we start with what we call the no right point, and the no right point is a fact from the Bible. We know that everything in the Bible is true, so we take our no right fact from the Bible, and it's normally something like Jesus was born or David kills Goliath, something like that. Then we also have a think right Bible verse. It is normally one of our top 12 verses, which I'll talk about in a minute. So we take those two things that come right from the Bible, we know those are true, and we use those to show us what we should do and then, because we do that thing, how we will feel. And this is very important because in today's society, most kids are taught this backwards. Most kids are taught you should do what makes you feel good, and that's going to influence what you know and how you think about the world. And so we're trying to correct that in these classes. We start with the truth first, with the Bible first, and we go from there. So you'll see that in a minute. Isn't that great? Yeah. These are what we call our top 12 verses. You all got a handout with this because I think it would be awesome if not just the kids were learning these, but all of us were learning these. Now, just to be clear, these are, we're not saying these are the 12 most important verses in the Bible. That would be very bad if I said that. But any situation that you come in in your life, you can find one of these verses that will help you. And our kids, most of them, at least nine of these verses, they can either say from memory or the young kids can fill in the blanks with these verses. So how cool would it be if everyone in our congregation knew these verses and maybe you're sitting next to a kid and you say, trust in the Lord with all your... Wouldn't that be cool? So maybe we can all work together to learn these verses. I think that would be a very cool thing to do as a church. And you'll see one of these verses come back in a moment. Now, this is my shameless plug. You all knew this was coming. I'm getting it done first. Now, it, I want to say first that we have the best... Oh, I forgot to dismiss uh, pre-K. Pre-K, go to class. So sorry. I'm about to say we have the best children's ministry team, and I forgot to dismiss the pre-K. If you're a pre-K, Miss Liz is in the back waiting for you. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Miss Liz. You rock. They're coming. I'm so sorry. Go ahead, pre-K. There they go. Uh, we have the best children's ministry team ever, and I'm really serious when I say that. But our team can't get better. It can get bigger, though. And there are a few things that we really, really need to do to move forward and to be able to meet the needs that we have. So one thing is in September, we really would like to start offering our class for our older kids, for our fourth through sixth graders, in the morning. We currently do it in the afternoon, and it's really difficult for families to get their kids here. So we need about four, at least four more people to do that, but even more would be great because people get sick and people have to go on vacation and all of those things. We also need more people to help in the pre-K class. Our pre-K teachers are teaching two, two times a month, which I normally only like to ask them to do once a month. So, um, And if even if there's something in between a different age group you'd like to do, we can shuffle around. But we're going to have a training on August 13th. There is a sign-up on the Next Step Center. 
And uh, this is a no commitment training. If you show up and you sit through the training and then I say, how would you like to help in children's ministry? And you say, oh, I just saw you had free granola bars and I just wanted to come in. I'll say, well, thanks for coming. Take another granola bar, have a great day. Okay, so you, this is no commitment, but I have a feeling once you see how easy this is, and what I'm teaching right now is exactly from our curriculum. Once you see how easy this is, you're gonna say, oh yeah, easy peasy, I'd love to help out. Okay, so there's a sign up just so I know how many people are coming and uh, how many things to prepare, all right? So we're going to move into our lesson. Every discovery time lesson has three parts. It starts with a discovery time. This is an activity that we generally don't talk about anything in the Bible whatsoever in this. The concept of the activity directly relates to the Bible lesson, but we don't connect it until after. So we start with some sort of a hands-on or interactive activity, which we're all going to do in a minute. Then we move to our Bible lesson, and then we end with a review game. So we're going to get going with our discovery time activity. You all have a spot the difference worksheet. We're going to play three rounds of spot the difference. In a moment, I'm going to put up two pictures. I really hope they're big enough. I'm sorry if they're not. I didn't see them on the screen. Um, there'll be two pictures and in round one, there are three differences. You can talk to your neighbor, kids, maybe it would be good if you tell mom and dad and they can write it down for you, okay? And this first one, now Adriana tested all these for me and she did them all in like under two minutes, so no pressure. Um, but this first one only has three differences, so I'm going to give you 45 seconds, all right? Go. All right, now when I tell you the answers, I'm saying them how the right one relates to the left one. That's how it's always going to be, okay? So Lily said them all. So the rainbow is missing orange and yellow. There are no windows on the castle, and there's no unicorn, all right? Now that one was the easy one. The next one has five differences. Are you ready? All right, we're going to call it. Here's the answers. Uh, on the right one, there are no leaves on the tree on the left. The leaves on the top are missing. There are no birds in the sky. The tent flaps, the front tent flaps are a different color. There's no shrubs to the right of the tree, and the rock to the right of the tree is missing. How many of you got all five? Raise your hand if you got all five. Oh, you guys are good. You can spot the difference. All right, this is the hard one. There's nine. Oh, maybe two minutes for this one. Here we go. All right, and here are the answers. I'm going to go through them real quick. Ready? There's no zero. This is on the right-hand the right picture. There's no zero. There's two shapes missing from that bulletin board on the left. There's no trash can. There's no clock. There's no the books and plants. That counts as one on the desk. That might be hard to see from back there. It doesn't say mathematics on top of the board. There's no right light on the ceiling. It's missing a shape in the bookcase up. Oh, I heard that one was the one everyone missed was the light. Uh, up in the, the bookcase, it's missing that shape on the top. And it's also missing a graphic on the chart on the right. On the top, there's a triangle. How many of you got all nine there? Yeah, Mike, I know this one's kind of hard for you. Sorry, man. <laughs> all right. So why did I just make you do that? Because I just wanted to make you suffer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Just like hopefully, for at least for the first two, it was really, really easy to spot the difference. When people look at us as followers of Jesus, they should be able to spot the difference. They should be able to say, wow, those, they're a little bit different in the way they act, in the way they talk, in the way they treat people. And we're going to hear a story today about three guys who we actually have been learning about the last two weeks who were a little bit different uh, because they followed what God had asked them to do. So we're gonna jump into our Bible story. Our story today is on Daniel 3, but before we do anything in the Bible story, we always pray first. And I always normally say, who would like to pray? But I thought that's a lot of pressure today. So I pre-asked Christopher and he was very gracious and said yes. So Christopher is going to come up and pray for our lesson. We'll get you a microphone. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the time we can all spend together. Just guide us through this wonderful lesson that Miss Emily has to teach to us today. And we all come out just walking a little bit different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christopher. Way to go. There you go. Okay. So, first thing we need to do is find it. We're in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to that chapter. I'm going to warn you, I'm reading out of the NIRV version. So unless you have this Bible that we give all of our kids... Mine will be a little bit different. This is the NIV, but at a third grade reading level. So it's a little bit easier for the kids to understand. So we're in Daniel 3. And if we were in the classroom, we would have a much larger version of this timeline. We always like to find the story or the approximate time of the story on our timeline because it helps us see how all of the events relate. Actually, through a three-year period in Discovery Land, we go from Genesis to Revelation. We go through the whole Bible. Kind of broken up, we do two uh, semesters of Old Testament and two semesters of New, Te of New Testament, or two quarters. Um, but you can see there is Daniel. It's the last little red spot. I know it's hard to see, but if you were in the classroom, you would say, oh, Daniel's in the red section. That means that the book of Daniel is in the Old Testament. And since it's in the Old Testament, it means everything we're about to learn today happened before who was born? Jesus. Good. But God was, is still the same even in the Old Testament. So all of these things that we have to learn are still very important to us today. But it's important to know there was no Jesus in this, in this story. Um, so here's our, our no right point. I told you we'd, you'd kind of see how these work as we get into the lesson. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace. We know this is true because it's in the Bible. So we are going to take this story as truth because everything in the Bible is true. And our think right verse is one of our top 12 verses. Now, kids, we have motions for this. Your parents don't know them, so we're going to embarrass your parents right now. I'm going to say a little bit, and then you say it back, but you've got to do it like me. I, he told you I was going to make you participate. Ready? Have I not commanded you? Oh, that was weak. I only saw like four people do it. Let's try it again. Have I not commanded you? <laughs> be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And this is my favorite part. It's Joshua 1. You put up one finger, and then you put that finger away and take the other ones out. 1, 9. Let's try it. Joshua 1, 9. Good. Let's do the whole thing. Kids, you know this. So kids, you got to close your eyes while you do it. But your parents can look if they have to. All right. Ready? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 
9. Very good. That is one of our top 12 verses. If you can do that from memory, you know one of 12 verses. Very good job. So let's, we're going to jump right into our scripture. When we do these, other than very long sections, we read it verse for verse for the kids. So the kids do hear uh, every verse from the story. Before I read this, I want to remind you, the last couple of weeks we've been learning about Daniel and his friends. Miss Tracy and Miss Chris have done a great job teaching you two stories. And the one thing you want to remember is that the Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all being held captive in Babylon, but they had been raised to some higher positions of power because of some of the things that we have learned in the last couple of weeks. Um, so they were well respected uh, in, in Babylon. And so I'm going to start by reading uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. You can go ahead and take out this sheet that you have. You may have noticed uh, for the last few months before the hallway turned into a spacewalk that we had a bulletin board with post-it notes and after class we would ask kids to write on the post-it note what's something that you learned today. So today every section that we read in the story we're going to make a post-it note version of what we learned and then we're going to talk about it in a little bit more detail. So here is verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. It was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura near the city of Babylon. And then the king sent for the royal rulers, high officials, and governors. He sent for their advisors, treasurers, judges, and court officers. And he sent for all of the other officials of Babylon. He asked them to come to a special gathering to honor the statue he had set up. So the royal rulers, the high officials, and governors came together. So did the advisors, treasurers, judges, and court officers, and all the other officials joined them. They came to honor the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood in front of it. So let's do our first post-it note. King Nebuchadnezzar makes a golden statue. Very good. And how tall was King Nebuchadnezzar's statue? 90 feet. Now, I was trying to think, is there like a monument that we can think about that maybe would be a good representation? And the first thing that came to my mind was the Lincoln Memorial. I said, well, that's kind of tall when you stand in front of the Lincoln Memorial, Memorial and you look up at Abraham Lincoln. And I Googled, how tall is the Lincoln Memorial? It's 19 feet. <laughs> so I was really off. In fact, it's about the size of this building. So the Lincoln Memorial would go up about to the top of our ceilings here. Um, so in order to have 90 feet, we would need to stack four and a half of our churches on top of each other. That's how tall this statue was. This is a nine-story building, and you can see where it is in relation to cars and people and traffic lights. That's how tall the statue would have been. Now, obviously, we don't have a picture of the statue because there were no pictures back then, no cameras. They didn't take out their iPhone. But here's a painting of what maybe it looked like. So this statue could be seen all over the town as they were going around. And so we're get, starting to get this mental picture of exactly what was happening in this story. We have this massive statue, and King Nebuchadnezzar has called everyone together to have a big meeting in front of it. And let's see what King Nebuchadnezzar ordered all the people to do. This is verses 4 through 6. <clears throat> then a messenger called out loudly, Listen, you people who come from every nation, pay attention, you who speak other languages. Here is what the king commands you to do. You will soon hear the sounds of horns and flutes. You will hear zithers, lyres, harps, and pipes. In fact, you will hear all kinds of music. And when you do, you must fall down and worship the gold statue. That is the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. If you don't, you will be thrown into the blazing furnace right away. So King Nebuchadnezzar orders everyone to blank the statue. Worship. Oh, good. I'm glad we're paying attention. To worship the statue. 
Now, we're continuing to get this picture in our head of exactly what's going on. King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to set up a musical cue. We actually have this in our culture. Whenever you hear the national anthem, what do you do? You stand up, you take off your hat if you have one on, and you put your hand on your heart. When you're at a wedding and you hear, here comes the bride, what do you do? You stand up and you look back at the bride, right? So he's setting this precedent. Every time you hear music, there's this huge, huge I took the picture down, but there's this huge statue that you can see wherever you are. Whenever you hear the music, you need to stop and bow down to the, uh, to the statue. Now, just because I feel like I'd have my music educator license revoked if I didn't do this, let's just quickly review the instruments come up a lot in this. So um, when they say horns, you might be thinking in your head, oh, they had some trumpets and some trombones, but that's not how horns looked back in Bible times. They would have looked a little something like... This, it was actually made from an animal horn, okay? So when they say horns, that's what they're talking about, a hollowed out animal horn, and that's where we do our, our modern day brass instruments are modeled from, but it would have looked like that. So when you're thinking horns, that's what they looked like. Uh, it talks about flutes. Some of you, how many of you have ever played the flute maybe in your school band? Any flute players? Mr. Walker, wow, that's cool. You learn something new every day, all right. So that's not the type of flute they're talking about. They would have been made out of wood. They would have looked something like this. We probably all know what a harp is. They talk about harps and lyres. They are similar. Um, there are some differences, and the big difference is that a harp normally is stationary, and a lyre goes around with you. It's kind of like a guitar. You can carry it around with you wherever you go. And then the one that is the coolest name is a zither. And believe it or not, I actually own a zither, so I brought it. And I'll put it up here after, so if there's any kids who want to come check it out to see what this looks like, this is not an instrument that you see very often. So this is what a zither looks like. And part of it is like a harp. These strings all keep the same pitch all the time, so you just pick which strings you want to play. And then this down here, these five strings have a fretboard, so it's kind of like a guitar. This is not in tune, but when you come up, if you want to give it a little play, you can check it out. You get to say you saw a Bible Times instrument. Isn't that, this is not from the Bible Times, just to be clear. But uh, a very kind friend gave this to me. It belonged to his grandfather. So uh, I will keep this up here after if anyone wants to come take a look at it. So King Nebuchadnezzar says, anytime you hear these instruments playing, you need to stop and bow down to the statue. Now, this should put in your head something that says, ooh, this is really bad, right? Because in the Ten Commandments, God said, you should not worship anyone other than me. You should not worship idols, right? Now, we live in a culture where a lot, most people aren't bowing down to statues. Like, this was very common back then. But we have a lot of people who do have idols in their life, and maybe we do too. This is a good time to stop and say, hmm, do I put anything before God? It could be sports. It could be video games. It could be money. It could be Minecraft, right? Any of those things that you put before God can be an idol in your life. So as we're going through this story and you say, how could those people be so silly to bow down to a statue? Well, we do it all the time, right? So we need to be very careful that we're always keeping God first. Now, we know that in the past, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have made very good choices. So we have to see, did they make a good choice? I don't know. We'll have to go to the next section and see what happens next. So this is verses 7 through 12. All of the people heard the sound of the horns and the flutes. They heard the zithers and the lyres and the harps and other musical instruments. And as soon as they did, they fell down and worshipped Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. They were people from all nations, no matter what language they spoke. And at this time, some people who studied the heavens came forward. They spoke against the Jews, and they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, may you live forever. Your majesty has commanded everyone to fall down and worship the golden statue. You told them to do it when they heard the harps, the flutes, the zithers, the lyres, the harps, the pipes, and other musical instruments. And if they didn't, they would be thrown into the blazing furnace. But you have appointed some Jews to help Daniel govern Babylon and the towns around it. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They don't pay attention to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. They don't serve your gods, and they refuse to worship the golden statue that you set up. Whew, okay, did they make the right choice? Oh, good for them. Excellent. Good job, boys. So we're going to fill this out. Now, we said this. This is in the backwards order of how it says it in the story. In the story, it says they didn't obey King Nebuchadnezzar. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what God? They obeyed God. Excellent. All right. So things are going to get real tough for them in a minute here. Let's see what happens. This is verses 13 through 15. Nebuchadnezzar was very angry. He sent for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they were brought to him. And the king said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is what I heard about you true? Don't you serve my gods? Don't you worship the golden statue that I've set up? You will hear the horns, the flutes, the zithers, the lyres, the harps, the pipes, and other musical instruments. And when you do, fall down and worship the golden statue I made. If you, if you will, that's very good. But if you won't, you will be thrown at once into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you from my power? So King Nebuchadnezzar orders them to be thrown in the blazing furnace. And it's important to note here that King Nebuchadnezzar, he worships all these different gods, and he's saying, well, who's going to be able to save you? There's not a god powerful enough to save you from me, which is kind of interesting to see how he thinks about the gods that he worships. Um, and so we have to see what happens. I have, you, if you've been following along with our stories, you probably have a good idea about what's going to happen here. This is verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to talk about this anymore. They got right to the point. We, need, we, must, uh, sorry, we might be thrown into the blazing furnace, but the God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. He will save us from your power. But we want you to know this. Even if we knew that our God wouldn't save us, we still would not serve your gods. We won't worship the gold statue you set up. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trust in God's great power. Very good. My favorite part of this passage is it says, you know what? Even if we knew God wouldn't save us, we still wouldn't do it, right? And when you actually think about the two choices here, either they get thrown in the furnace and God saves them. Yay, that's awesome, right? It's great. Or they get thrown in the furnace and they die, and we know that they follow God, so they're going to be in heaven. Yay, that's also great. So either way, they're going to be saved, right? They trust, and they said, you know what? We're not going to follow these things you said. We know it's wrong. We're not going to do it no matter what. Now, this gives us a chance to think, hmm, what would I do? Now, you probably aren't going to get asked to bow down to a statue. I can't imagine, but you could. But think about this. Kids and adults, you can think of a similar scenario. What if you're in your classroom, and some, most of you go to, to public schools. What if you're in your classroom, and your teacher says, stand up if you're a Christian? Would you jump right up? Or would you kind of look around to see who else is going to stand up, right? Or what if you have a teacher who says, well, the Bible, it's a great story, but it's all a bunch of lies. Would you be willing to go and talk to those teachers and be courageous and trust that that's the right thing? Believe it or not, I have had students who have done that. Not to me, but they have come to me and said, you know what, these teachers have been saying these things, and they were courageous enough to go talk to those teachers. It was amazing. And so we need people like that in our schools. So kids... You know and think right because of these lessons. You should be strong and courageous, and you should stand up for what you know is right. And adults, too. Yeah. Um, 
And we should look different, just like in that discovery time activity, right? We want people to say, oh, yeah, that, she's a Christian, right? And know that you are different because you follow the one true God. <clears throat> so they're trusting in God's great power. Hopefully we are too. We can see what happens next in the story. This is verses 19 through, I think I got a little behind there, 19 through 23. Is that where we are? Yes. See, that's why I have the handout, really. It's for me. <laughs> Uh, then Nebuchadnezzar was very angry with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The look on his face changed, and he ordered that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. He also gave some of the strongest soldiers in his army a command. He ordered them to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he told his men to throw them into the blazing furnace. So they were tied up, and they were thrown into the furnace. They were wearing their robes, pants, turban, and other clothes. The king's command was carried out quickly. The furnace was so hot that its flames killed the soldiers who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into it. So the three men were firmly tied up, and they fell into the blazing furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the what furnace? And it really was blazing because how much hotter was it than usual? Seven times hotter. So hot that when the officials went to throw them, the flames went up and killed them. What a terrible job to have. I would have said, I wish I stayed home sick that day. Um, so they're in the fire. We have to see what happens next. This is verses 24 through 25. <clears throat> then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet. He was so amazed, he asked his advisors, didn't we tie up three men? Didn't we throw three men into the fire? And they said, yes, we did. And the king said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They aren't tied up, and the fire hasn't even harmed them. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. So let's fill in our, our blank here. There are how many men walking around in the fire? Four, and the big thing is that they are unharmed. They are unharmed. That's the last uh, blank there, unharmed. There were four men in the fire, and they were walking around unharmed. Now, the Bible doesn't actually tell us who the fourth man was. It could have been an angel. It could have been Jesus. We don't really know for sure, but whoever it was, they were shining, and all four men were unharmed in the fire, okay? So we're getting towards the end of the story. Let's see what happens next. This is 26 and 27. Then the king approached the opening of the blazing furnace. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. You who serve the most high God, come here. So they came out of the fire. The royal rulers, high officials, governors, and advisors crowded the, around them, and they saw that the flame hadn't harmed their bodies. Not one hair on their heads was burned. Their robes weren't burned either, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Imagine, like, when you're next to a campfire, you come back, you smell like smoke. My mom knows that very well. She can't handle this, this campfire smell, right? I, sorry. I don't have my own children to embarrass, so, you know. Yeah. Um, but you smell like smoke. They were in a fire, and they came out, and they didn't smell like smoke. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. Those are the two blanks. Came out of the fire. Came out of the fire. So, did Neb King Nebuchadnezzar, did he see God's power? Did he see how it happened? Yes, he did. So, let's see what he had to say about this. This is the last part of the story. Verses 28 through 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, May the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be praised. He has sent his angel and saved his servants. They trusted in him. They refused to obey my commands, and they were willing to give up their lives. They would rather die than serve or worship any god other than their own. 
No other God can save people this way. So I'm giving an order about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No one may say anything against him. That's true no matter what language they speak. If they say anything against him, they will be cut up to pieces and their house will be turned into a pile of trash. And then the king honored Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he gave them higher positions in the city of Babylon and the towns around it. So King Nebuchadnezzar praises the blank, blank God. There were lots of gods that they were worshiping, but our God is the one true God. Now, we're going to see next week. He maybe doesn't stay super consistent on that with our story next week, but that's a story for next week. Um, so, we've heard the story. Now, we have to say, I'm taking my know right, and I'm taking my uh, think right. Now, how, what should I do, and how should I feel? So, we do. Everyone say it with me. I will trust in God's Power. That's right. And not only did they trust in God's power they tr to save them, but they trusted him in, in him even if he didn't save them. So we need to make sure that we're willing, if we do stand up for God, maybe there will be a consequence and we're willing to take that consequence, right? Um, and how will you feel? I will feel courageous and peaceful when I, ta when I trust in God's great power. Now, I do want to just very quickly tie this into VBS a little bit because all week we've been learning about how to shine Jesus' light. We've been talking about people who don't get along, people who are sad, people who are happy, people whose life feels dark, right? Think about how we can shine Jesus' light and how that will make us look different, right? It's very similar to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They, didn't, they wouldn't give in when people told them to do the wrong thing, and we can stand up and do that. Now, one way that we can shine Jesus' light, and the kids are going to help me with this. We actually haven't done this in a couple weeks, so this will be a good test, is we have something in uh, Discovery Land called the Wordless Book. This is a very easy way to teach kids about the gospel, and it's a very easy way for kids to teach other kids about the gospel. So each of these colors has a key word and a key verse. The kids are going to help me do those, and then I'll just very quickly connect them all together. So uh, kids or adults who know this, yellow, our key word is heaven. Good, and let's say our verse together. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Good. So the person speaking in that verse is Jesus. He says, in my Father's house, in heaven, there's many rooms and there's a place for you, right? And so we think about heaven as a place with no sickness, no anger, no fear, but most importantly, heaven is a place with no sin. And the black word, the key word is sin. Everyone say our verse for black. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Good. Now, this presents us with a real problem because I just said that there's a place for you in heaven, but there's no sin in heaven. And then I said, but everyone has sinned. So those don't really line up together at all. That's why God had the perfect plan. He sent his son, Jesus, and the key word for red is blood. Now, in the Old Testament, like when Daniel and his friends were alive, their uh, sins were atoned for through sacrificing an animal, right? Luckily, we don't have to do that anymore. I always tell the kids, if you look around, you won't see a goat in here. We're not going to sacrifice a goat today because we are under the new covenant. Jesus came and once and for all shed his blood for us. So uh, the blood of Jesus can cover our sin. Let's say our verse for red. Without the shedding of blood... There can be no forgiveness. Good. So Jesus covers our sin with his blood, and because of that, we are made 
clean. The key word for white is clean. The verse is believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. When we put our trust in Jesus and we accept his free gift of salvation, we're made clean. We don't look like this anymore. We look like this. And then our final color, green, stands for grow. And our verse, kids, you should know this. We do this one a lot. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can grow closer to Jesus by coming to kids' church, by reading your Bible, by telling other people about him, by praying. So once you have accepted the free gift of salvation and are made clean, you want to continue to grow closer to Jesus every single day day. One way you can do that is through reading your Bible. Every single one of you got one of these tracker treasures. Kids, if you bring this back completed next week, there's activities on the inside, but the part on the outside has Bible readings every day. Kids, if you bring them back next week to us, you will get five tracker tickets, which you can use to buy treats in our store. Adults, I think we all have a little more intrinsic motivation and know that it's just good to read our Bible, so you can read it. Um, But kids, if you bring that back completed next week, we will give you some tickets, all right? So, Let's see what you guys learned. We're gonna do something cool because I think this might be the only day in like at least the next 10 years that we'll be able to completely black out our sanctuary. So uh, if there's anyone who does not have a flashlight or who would like a flashlight, my dad has a few extra up there. So come get some flashlights because we're gonna need them here. As you look around the sanctuary, you can see A, B, C, and D. If you don't have a flashlight, take out your phone. You do have one, right? All phones have flashlights. So right now, everyone get your flashlight, okay? Make sure it's ready. We're gonna shut all the lights off, and in a moment, I'm gonna put a a multiple choice question up here. Let me read the question and all the answers, and once I'm done, I'll say go, and then I want you to shine your light, thank you, Sam, on the answer. Does that make sense? So everyone get those lights ready on the cell phones. Kids get those flashlights. Here's the first question. Don't shine it until I read the question and the answers. We're all going to do this as a team. First question, what did King Nebuchadnezzar order everyone to do? A, fall down and worship the golden statue when they heard music. B, give him half of everything they earned. C, work in the palace doing chores. Or D, bake him cookies every Friday. Ready? Go. Woo! Oh, this works. This looks cool. All right. Awesome. All right. Lights down. You guys are good. I guess you were listening. Very good. Who did not obey the king's orders to fall down and worship the golden statue? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or D, all of the above? Go. It's D, all of the above. Very good. Okay, lights down. Next question. Which word best describes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? A, wimpy. B, courageous, C, foolish, or D, fearful? Go. Good, it's B, courageous. And you should be courageous. I did not do that on purpose. That was great. Okay, why wouldn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worship the golden statue? A, they did not get the message from the king. B, they did not worship any, God said not to worship anything but him. C, they didn't like the music. Or D, they didn't want to stop playing Minecraft. Ready, go. The answer is B, good job, okay? Lights down, next one. What did King Nebuchadnezzar say would happen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they didn't worship the golden statue? A, they would become his prisoners. B, they would be thrown into the lion's den. C, they would be thrown into the blazing furnace. Or D, they would have to pay 1,000 tracker tickets. Ready, go. See, people who sat next to those letters, I'm so sorry. You gotta bring flashlight or sunglasses to church. I didn't think that through. 
Who did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trust to save them? A, Daniel, B, King Nebuchadnezzar's advisor, C, God, or D, Larry the Cucumber? Go. Good, the answer is God. Excellent, nice. All right, next one. What happened to the soldiers who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace? A, they died from the hot flames. B, they were promoted by the king. C, they fell into the furnace. Or D, they refused to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. Go. A is the answer. You guys are good. Woo. Maybe we end every sermon with a quiz. See if they're listening. What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace? A, you could listen carefully to this, okay? A, they walked around the furnace unharmed. B, they were joined by a fourth person. C, both A and B, or D, none of the above. Go. We're getting lots of C's. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> the answer is C. Very good. All right, now this one's very important. Put your lights down for a second because once you answer this, you have to do it. So don't answer it if you don't mean it. Will you always trust in God's power to help you through difficult situations? A, yes, or B, no. Go. Oh, whew. Good. If that's the only thing you learned today, that's all I want you to know, all right? So in the year's most awkward transition, we're going to get ready for communion. So Sam's going to come up.